Welcome to Take Heart, a podcast for special needs moms by special needs moms. Our goal is to give you hope, offer insight and encouragement so you can flourish in your journey of raising a child with special needs. Each week, Amy, Sarah, and Carrie will explore a monthly theme we've chosen, share an inspiring story, a practical tip, and an encouraging blessing. Using their combined experience of over 30 years of parenting special needs children, their prayer is that you take heart, have courage, and know you are not alone. We are so glad you joined us today. Hi, I'm Carrie. Our topic for this month is Diagnosis 101. One of the most common emotions that comes with diagnosis is grief. Do you remember the day your child was diagnosed? Where were you when you heard the news? What were you doing? How did you feel? August 31st is what I can now affectionately call our D-Day or Diagnosis Day. It was definitely a defining day, an instant in my life where I could mark a clear before and after. On that day, we had two little precious boys at home who were 3 and 18 months. We were joyfully expecting our third child, if not a little bit shocked, when we went in for our 20-week ultrasound and checkup. Sitting in the waiting room, as often is the case in doctor's offices, my husband paced the floor dressed in his crisp suit pants, shirt, and tie. He was fretful because he needed to get to work that day. My ultrasound had already been completed, and we were waiting for the doctor to discuss the results. I clearly remember his impatience as we had been waiting for a very long time. I will never forget the words that came out of my mouth and what they meant to me later. I said to him, I would tell you to go to work, but for some reason I really think you need to be here. I really don't think anything's wrong, but I think you need to stay. Finally, the three of us, my husband, our oldest son, and I were called back to the tiny exam room. We had brought our son along to share in the joy of experiencing the ultrasound of their new baby brother or sister. When my doctor walked in the door, my husband said he could tell just by the look on her face that something was wrong. I didn't pick up on that until the words came out of her mouth. There's something wrong with the baby, she said. We aren't sure what it is, but his head isn't a normal shape and size. We want to send you for a level two ultrasound with a high-risk doctor this afternoon. And then she said, I don't think it's this specific diagnosis, and she named it. Later that day, we learned it was exactly what she didn't think it was. In that moment, time stood still. There was shock, denial, and then grief. The tears came, and I remember thinking, what are we going to do? Then a small moment of levity lightened the situation as I looked over to see my husband moving from the chair to the floor. My doctor quickly moved to throw open the door of the exam room, calling for the nurse. She asked her to take our oldest son to give him some candy, stickers, anything, and please, some juice. Oh yes, some juice. The next thing I know, my husband was lying on the floor with his long legs resting on the physician's shoulders. By the way, I have his permission to tell this story. It wasn't funny in the moment, but several years later, we could laugh and make light of his low blood pressure and tendency to pass out with bad news delivery room experiences, and blood draws. This wasn't the only time this happened in our journey as special needs parents, and I'm sure it won't be the last. 
Later that afternoon, we learned our son would be born with a lifelong, permanently disabling birth defect. He would require surgery the day he was born, and most likely a second before he left the hospital. He would be different, probably have trouble walking, and all the issues that occur with damage to a spine in utero. I was going to be a special needs mom. I did not want that label. I didn't want to be grouped in that category of moms. A few days later, a very sweet and well-meaning college friend emailed me asking me if she could connect me with this other parent she knew that had a child with the same diagnosis. I remember resisting at first, those feelings of denial, of not wanting to be in that category. I wasn't ready just yet. Our D-Day was the day our dream died, the dream of having a normal, healthy baby. Just a few weeks earlier, we learned that our oldest son needed glasses. There was actually a little bit of grief with that also, as I thought about what I thought was my perfect child had a flaw. He needed glasses. Clearly, he wasn't perfect. He was three and thought he ran the show. It was also the day that my grief cycle started, and a few years later, I had the realization that it is a roller coaster ride we will always be on. It's not death in meaning the permanent loss of a person, but the permanent loss of a dream of having a healthy, able-bodied child. As long as the baby's healthy, how many times had I heard that? My baby wasn't. What then? In her podcast, The Next Right Thing by Emily P. Freeman, in episode 123 entitled Practice Your Life, she talks about two kinds of death, terminal and paschal. We understand what the terminal means, but paschal death is a different kind that can open us up to a deeper and richer kind of life. She goes further to explain that there are two kinds of life, resuscitated and resurrection. Resuscitated life is when a person is restored to their former state of health, but resurrection is different. In resurrection life, the old is completely gone away and a new and richer life begins. Have you allowed your unmet expectations of having a healthy child bring death or an opportunity to view life differently, to grow, be changed, and lean into a newer, richer kind of life? In the weeks after D-Day, I came to accept that I had two choices. I could fight, rage, and deny that this was happening and try to recreate my old life, or I could accept this resurrection life. I could choose joy. What is joy? The dictionary app defines joy as a source or cause of keen pleasure or delight. Happiness can depend on our circumstances, but joy can be embraced even in trials. The key is the source. Where are we finding our joy? If we try to find it in our circumstances, when trials come and life doesn't go as we expect, we aren't going to find keen pleasure or delight. Yet if the source of our joy is the comfort, love, and hope of our Savior, we will find when those storms come, He will be our peace. Jesus teaches us not to be anxious about anything, but to take all our anxieties to Him, and the peace that passes all understanding will guard our hearts and minds. Joy comes from trusting the heart of a Savior that has our best interest at heart, and none of these deaths in our life will be for naught. He works all things according to his purpose to those that love him. Just a side note, do you remember how I told you that I had asked my husband not to leave that day because I thought he needed to be there? I truly never felt this ominous feeling that there was something wrong, but I fully believe 
that that was God's supernatural power at work preparing my heart for what was to come and giving me the support I would need when I heard the news. Something I don't want to dismiss in these moments of lasting change and loss is our grief. We definitely have to identify the loss, name it, and grieve it. Sometimes I miss my old life of the carefree when I didn't have to think about a building's accessibility or whether other children would accept my child on the playground or even walking into a doctor's appointment only to learn my child needs yet another surgery. We can be fully aware of our pain and choose to trust. In Jesus' moments in the garden the night before he faced the cross, Jesus knew what he faced, and he even knew that he was going to be resurrected, and yet he grieved. He grieved so deeply, his sweat was like blood. He even prayed to his Father that if it was possible, could this cup pass from him? If Jesus, God as man, grieves, so can I. Charles Spurgeon said, Many a blessing has been lost by Christians, not believing it is a blessing, because it did not come in a particular shape which they conceived to be proper and right. It definitely takes time, but I want to encourage you to look at your child's diagnosis as a blessing. Here are some things to think about or journal. What do you know now you didn't know before? How have you grown as a person? Do you have more empathy and grace for others? The loss of a dream doesn't have to be the loss of your faith, but a choice to press in and trust, and your child's diagnosis could become your biggest blessing. Start to look for them. They are there, I promise. In the middle of a very scary intensive care unit stay when our son was an infant, I began to keep a journal and list the things I was thankful for. It was anything and everything to the very small or the very big. It was amazing how my perspective changed. I want to thank you so much for joining us this week on Take Heart, a podcast for special needs moms by special needs moms. We've been exploring the topic of Diagnosis 101 and all the thoughts, emotions, grief, and joy that come along with that. My friend and fellow podcast host, Sarah Klein, will be sharing her story next week. And speaking of Sarah, she has a free printable handout on her website on five ways to reclaim hope after a life-altering diagnosis. You can get it and other free resources on her website at sarahclimb.com. The link will be in the show notes. Our prayer each week is for you to know hope, joy, and connection, for your heart to be encouraged, for you to know you are not alone. We are grateful you're walking with us on this journey. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts so you'll never miss a show. You can follow us on Instagram at Take Heart Special Moms. If you have any questions or comments, Follow the link in our show notes. We would love to hear your story. And thanks for listening.